Hello, everybody. Welcome back into the Cheese Sticks in the Sun Hello podcast. Um, and we, we have quite a bit to go over today, and we're actually going to start off on the not sports side of things. We're going to start off on the music side of things. Um, and I got to say, I mean, it, it's been a couple of days. It, it's something that still has me uh, quite broken up, and that's uh, Austin. Well, at least for me, Austin, by far uh, my 1A slash 1B band, depending on the day. Um, but uh, on last Friday night, I, I guess was, um, Foo Fighters drummer Taylor Hawkins passed away um, yeah. while uh, the Foo Fighters were on tour in uh, South America. Uh, they were in Colombia when he passed away. Um, no cause of that that's come out right now. It looks like it's a potential overdose. He had 10 different substances in his uh, system at the time of death, but he was also complaining about chest pain. So who knows? We'll find out eventually. But um, yeah, I mean, we, we rarely talk about things in ours that aren't sports related, but um, I'm not sure about you, but for me, I mean, sports are outside of family and friends and all that. The biggest thing in my life, but right after sports is music. Yeah. And for me, it's, Every day for the last, God, pro, since I can remember, probably 15 years or so, it's been Foo Fighters and Red Hot Chili Peppers for me almost every day of my life. And uh, this this one hurts. This one hurts. I'll tell you what. Um, you know, I grew up with ACDC, Rush, you know, the like you said, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Uh, bands like that and the Foo Fighters were probably the first band that I had ever like that was the band I kind of found to myself like I wasn't like dad music like hey I'm you know my dad listens to this or my older brother I you know I I think we were playing rock band or something my brothers and I and and I heard the one song I started listening to them and their Wasting Light album came out when we were in yeah. high school. And that album has resonated with me for I for as long as I this thing came out. I remember sitting on the couch when it came out and just sitting there listening to it. And like you said, I, I mean, this is the first band I like fell in love with. And I genuinely have been only listening to the Foo Fighters literally since he passed up. like at work it's all the food yeah. fighters i'm listening to yeah and yeah it 15 years of i was thinking about it, 15 years seemed like a stretch but uh i mean you basically said it's the same way i kind of found the food fires i mean my dad was a a radio dj in uh college and i have a i have younger parents so uh the one cool part about having younger parents is that uh a lot of their musical ta- uh, tastes come from the nineties and I got a lot of that passed on to me, um, thankfully. But, um, the way I found the food fighters was also rock. It was rock band, uh, for yeah. me, um, rock band. I Everlong. looked up came out in 2007. It was learn to fly. That was on uh-huh. the first rock. Band. That and Everlong, right? Everlong yeah, was, might've been two, but yeah. So, yeah. So for me, like when I found, Learn to Fly got me started on the Foo Fighters, but the, I mean, the, the song that made me fall in love with the Foo Fighters and is still my favorite song in the world today is, is Everlong. It's 
it is a rare, perfect ten for ten song. But to not just go through hours, but go back to Taylor. I mean, the one thing that makes Everlong so good, and I know Dave recorded it on the sound uh, on the album, um, but. When you go, when you would go to see a Foo Fires uh, concert, and they finally played Everlong, mm-hmm. the way the way Taylor did those th- did the drums in any Foo Fires song, but especially Everlong, were just so amazing. He was such a damn good drummer, and uh, it it this is a, a celebrity death that has probably affected me more than almost any other. I mean, uh, Roy Roy Halliday's death. That that made me ridiculously sad, but th- this was one of the first celebrity deaths I, I truly felt heartbroken over. I mean, Chris Cornell uh, obviously was up there. Uh, Chester Bennington, I was never a huge Lincoln Park fan, but I did appreciate their work. I did appreciate Chester. Um, that was tough. I mean, Tom Petty was tough, um, but for me, it, the Foo Fires and Chili Peppers have been such an integral part of my life for the last. 15 years, good days, bad days, uh, all through the ups and downs of high school. Uh, they're, they're always there. So I think for me, it's, uh, it's, it's that like, it it feels like you're almost losing a family member because you, you hear them every day. Well, and too, like when you think Foo Fighters, obviously it's Dave Grohl, Dave Grohl's the face, but number two is Taylor. You know, it's and part of it is because Dave was a drummer, you know, and and when um, you go to Foo Fighters concerts, he does kind of make it a point, you know, to point out, you know, the drummer. Um, And that's partially a recognition thing, because, like I said, he, you know, he was a drummer. But those two were like the faces of the Foo Fighters. They just they were. And yeah. I mean, moving forward, like number one, I, f- I feel for Taylor's family and Absolutely. also Dave. I mean, he, he yeah, he yeah. had Kurt, you know, and and then lost yeah. Kurt. And then he gets Taylor, who's like a younger brother to him, and he loses him as well. You know, like I, I can only imagine what Taylor's family and Dave are especially going through. And I know the Foo Fighters played that night. They put candles out on stage, um, but they just released a statement saying they are canceling um, the rest of their uh, tour dates. Yeah, which obviously not surprising, but still, I mean, they're coming to Philly. They're going to play the Lincoln, I think, July, uh, July 10th or something like that. And I, I was definitely going to try to get to that. And uh, now that I'm out closer to Lancaster, uh, I was pretty close to one of their shows in Maryland too. And I was thinking about going to two shows this year, but um, yeah, it's, it's heartbreaking, man. Taylor was the heart of that band. And uh, selfishly part of me is also just really upset that even if the Foo Fires continue on, it's not going to be the no, same. No, it's not without, the same. Correct. Yeah. It's not the same without Taylor. And to know you will never hear that lineup of the Foo Fires again. And, and like when, when a band breaks up it, or somebody leaves, it's like, there's, there's always a chance they come like 
Josh Frusciante with the Chili Peppers. I was going to say, yeah, the Chili Peppers. Everybody wants John Frusciante and the Chili Peppers. He leaves. He comes back. I never thought I'd see Frusciante back with the Chili Peppers or have a chance to see him live. Thankfully, he came back, and now I, I'm going to see them live this summer, this summer at the bank. But um, it, it's heartbreaking that he's he's gone, that we'll never hear that lineup again. And uh, it's – and honestly, just – Thoughts and everything yeah. go out to yeah. Dave, the band, their friends, family. Um, because and th- this is one that is tough for the entire uh, musical world, I think, to mm-hmm. swallow. And, we, and, and we've seen that on social media over the last uh, few days. Uh, I know Paul McCartney posted stuff. Yeah. Um, I mean, Miley Cyrus <laughs> did a tribute at her one show. Yeah. Apparently, she was pretty close with Taylor. Um not a fan of this guy, but MGK uh, apparently was friends with Taylor, um, and him, he, him and his uh, crew were actually hanging out with the Foos, I think just a couple days before. Um, and I mean, tributes have been pouring in everywhere for him. They were supposed to be performing at the Grammys on Sunday. I think the Grammys are now doing some sort of tribute. It, it just, it still feels a little surreal. Yeah. Definitely. definitely. But, yeah, but uh, so, yeah, rest in peace, Taylor. Uh, thank you for all the music. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's it's heartbreaking. But let's get into some sports here. Um, we got quite a bit to talk about. Um, let's start with the Eagles. Uh, the Eagles did make a nice move here, and they made one move that made the entire Philadelphia, fan base, Philadelphia Eagles fan base groan. Uh, that good move was they signed uh, linebacker Kazir White, who is kind of a local kid. Uh, Kazir White, yeah, McCondry went to Mays High School. High school. Yep. Yeah, uh, I went to uh, Parkland High School, obviously. And let me let me see when he he's twenty six. I was yeah, going to bring so it up. I, he's very young, like he's pretty young for the Eagles to sign him. You know, it, yeah. it's a good young-ish uh, guy to sign. I mean, 20, yeah, 2018 NFL draft. I mean, th- there's no doubt. I, I saw Kaiser White play in high school. Honestly, we did not know he was going to be an NFL <laughs> player at that time. He was a kid who ended up going to a, a, a JUCO and then to West Virginia and now on the NFL. But, yeah, he was somebody I saw play in high school. Um, his brother also played at Emmaus, uh, also went to West Virginia, uh, and was drafted uh, in the first round by the Bears in 2016, that being Kevin White uh, and his other brother, Karan White, uh, also spent uh, some practice squad uh, or uh, training camp time in the NFL as well. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this is a nice pickup for the Eagles. I, I didn't see it coming. Uh, he was highly graded by PFF last year. Um one-year deal, so, I mean, you're not investing in him long-term if it goes bad. Had yeah. 144 tackles last season. He could play sideline to sideline. He's good in passing, uh, in pass coverage. I mean, uh, this is a really under-the-radar signing for the Eagles, which I think could pay off big time. They've been able to put together okay to solid defenses with mediocre linebackers. Right. Now that you got another strong linebacker in there, I, I think this could be a 
huge pickup for the defense. And it doesn't hamstring them from taking a linebacker in this draft either. Um, you know, Hassan Reddick is listed as a linebacker, but he's definitely going to be more of a rusher. You know, that's that's going to be his primary role. If you look at what Absolutely. he did last year, that was how he was best suited. And he's not the biggest uh, pass coverage guy. So they very well could still take a linebacker. And like you said, this is a high upside kind of signing. It's a one-year deal. It's kind of like how Eric Wilson was with when it comes to the deal. If he stinks, they can cut him. Worst case scenario, you know. Um, but he's 26. He's pretty young, and he had a very good year last year for the Chargers. I think he had 140, was it 144 total tackles last year. Yeah. And like you said, good passing down, and he's a sideline-to-sideline guy. So um, I, I, I genuinely like the sign. Like you said, it's a under the radar because he's not this big-name guy. I know today um, – who was it that signed with the Rams? Um, Bobby Wagner, you know, yeah. Bobby Wagner signed with the Rams. Contract. Right. Massive contract. Apparently salary, salary cap doesn't exist for the Rams, but uh, I, I do think there, it has to be like the, um, um, Von Miller contract with dummy years yeah. in, in the end, in the uh-huh. back end. Cause that, that contract <laughs> is ridiculous, but no, it's a good signing. Um, you're feeling more comfortable with the linebackers yeah. with him there. Um, and knowing them, hopefully they'll draft another one, whether it's the second round, one of those first three picks, unless they trade up, who knows, you know, it doesn't hamstring them from making a move. Um, but the other move that they did make, and like you said, that the Eagles fans groaned was uh, Derek Barnett on a two year deal. He comes back Um it's really a one-year structure. I think the biggest issue people had is, like, we thought we were done with them. We're not. Yeah. And then Nick Sirianni comes out and says, quote, Derek Barnett is everything that embodies what we want in the characteristics of a player. He's tough. He's competitive. He's got high football IQ. He's got high character. He loves football. And I love Derek Barnett. How can you look at the Eagles fan base and say that he has high football IQ? We're not stupid. And this, this also being just months after he was caught on video after a Barnett plane saying it's always uh-huh, it's, it's always, always him. him. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean in what you're right, in one aspect I think the blow, major blowback of this signing comes back that we thought he was no longer going to be an Eagle, that his lack of production, where he was drafted, they were going to move on. That being said, you look at the money they gave him, um, people are going to look straight up at it that's, what, $14 million total or something? Um, I'm not exactly sure what his... But, but the cap hits on it are very low. Yeah, they're they're I think less than three million. Um, for that type of cap hit, it's not a bad signing. But yeah, as long as he's not taking valuable snaps away from a Josh Sweat, uh, a Hassan Reddick, so on and so forth, 
I'm fine with it. Yeah, I mean, here's here's but, what but I, the why Sirianni said. Yeah. I, I think that's just. I think that comes just it back to coach me. speak. Yep, exactly. Um, I think too. It's a depth signing. It's not like it was one of the first moves the Eagles made was a priority to make Derek Barnett come back. You know, they let him test the market. Clearly, there was no interest in him, or if there was, it was barely any interest. And the Eagles said, listen, we can get depth on the defensive line now. And uh, I mean, now you're looking at Reddick, like you mentioned, Reddick, Sweat, Milton Williams. Barnett, Cox, Hargrave, and then if Jordan Davis is there at 15 or whoever, you know, like they're going to draft somebody on the defensive line. They just are. It's the Eagles. And you don't know how he's going to be when he fully gets back. I'm not expecting much. But Brandon Graham will also return sometime next season as well. Totally forgot. Yeah, correct. I mean, this is – this is just depth. And clearly we thought we had depth last year and we didn't, you know, we just didn't. Um, Brandon Graham went down and you saw what happened. So the fact that now that they now have depth, it, that's all that this is. It's a depth signing. Like I'm not going to like, yes, he will frustrate us, but he's going to be a rotational defensive end. He's not, he's most likely not going to start. Correct. And, and, uh, he, correct. and that's that's why I'm quote unquote okay with the right. deal in the end. Yep. Yeah, like like it makes you groan because of what you've witnessed in the past, but because it's a one year structure and he's a depth signing at this point, who who cares? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Wanna move on to something more positive, Dylan? Because uh Yeah. Well, Let's let's move on to some positive stuff. Well, the Phillies' um, spring training is coming to a close, right? Uh, opening day yeah, is yeah, coming to a close. Um, I mean, I will say Bryson Stott has taken, I think, the Phillies' hype by storm. Um, I know there's concerns about the fielding and the pitching, but um, when it comes to prospects – and how they look, I mean, Stodd has looked the part this entire spring. I know it's spring training, but the dude's 11 of 20, you know, and if Bohm's not going to work out, they can at least have Stott at third base and let Didi play short until they, I'm assuming they trade him at some point, if they can. Yeah. So... I mean, for the time being, Stott's your third baseman because, I mean, it's his job to lose at this point. No one's really challenging him. Yeah, I mean, Stott has been unbelievable. He he has been the definition of a professional hitter throughout this spring training. I mean, not only is he 11 for 20, it was, but he also has five walks of four strikeouts. He's seeing a ton of pitches. Uh and he's just put he's putting the bat on the ball. When you put the bat on the ball, good things are going to happen. Um, and he just looks so confident out there. Uh, his swing is is a, a nice, beautiful, short uh, swing that is is going to be able to get to most pitches in uh, at, at the major league level, which 
means he should be able to translate this into the regular season and beyond. I mean, this is exactly what you were hoping to see out of somebody this spring uh, for the Phillies, and Stott has done a tremendous job doing that. And, I mean, it looks like he's going to be the opening day third baseman. What does that mean for Bohm? I think he probably starts the season in AAA. But, I mean, if they don't think Bohm is going to be anything, they're going to move on from him rather quickly. I mean, the Phillies front office, the current front office, clearly did not have much high hopes in Adam Hazley going forward. And they got rid of him for basically a flyer in the bullpen. He was just drafted in the first round four years ago. Yeah, five I, years ago. I think Boom has like is a little more intriguing to a team. You know, like I think if there's a team sure, that uh, thinks he could play like first base or something and fix sure. the swing, then he could definitely get you something of value. But like you said, Hazley, I mean, they put all their eggs in the basket with Moniac after Moniac had three straight games with home runs. They flipped Hazley for, like you said, a pitcher who has, what, 10 more strikeouts than he does walks in his career? Since college, yeah. yeah. He's he's had some control issues. They've gotten better, but, um, I mean, I think he was ranked the Padres like 23rd best prospect or something. Yeah. It's a flyer. Um, if he turns into a solid reliever, you're happy. Um, if not, it's it's whatever. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that there's another guy who's been hitting the ball – fantastic is Mickey Moniak. I wasn't a believer. I, I kind of lost hope in him, but he is, he is looking like a whole new hitter this spring. He, his approach at the plate has been tremendous. He looks, he, he looks more and more physically like a major league ball player now. And he's just doing a lot of good things out there. And obviously at the forefront of that is that he's almost every bat hit the ball hard elevating the bar, not, ball, not to the point that it's just pop, pop-ups or fly balls, but he's either hitting line drives or he's hitting bombs, yeah. which is great to see. Um, now, I don't think he's going to remain one of the best hitters on the planet like he has been over the last two weeks or so. But if he can even develop into a solid everyday MLB regular, at this point in for what he is, you, you'll take that. He's probably never going to live up to the hype of being the number one overall pick compared to some past number one overall picks. But there's a reason also that only two number one picks ever have ever been Hall of Famers. Um, well, so, I mean, that's that. But uh, I love what I'm seeing out of Moniac, and I think as, if the A's throw a right-hander out there on opening day, he'll probably be your opening day center fielder. I'll tell you what, too. It makes you more confident because you can trust his glove in center field um, more than you could probably Veerling or Oduble. And Oduble's not going to play anyway because he's um, injured right now. But also, yes. the other thing people forget is he's only 23. You know, like, it, yeah, it feels yeah, like so, he's been so here so forever cool. because we drafted him in 2016. But we drafted him at the age of like what seventeen or eighteen, and he's twenty three. Yeah. So he's still very young. I mean, Dylan, he's younger than he's a year younger than us, a year and a half younger. Yeah, than I us. think. I think in today's game, we get caught up a lot in looking at seeing these young stars come up at young ages. Harper, Trout. I know Harper and Trout now have been that was a decade ago, but more recently, 
Soto. Um, Soto's a great one. Um, Tatis, mm-hmm. so on and so forth. We see them come up as these 19, 20, 21-year-olds dominated right off the bat. Um, that's just not realistic. I mean, Soto is the best hitter on the planet. Uh, Tatis is one of the most talented players in all of baseball. When um, he's not getting in motorcycle accidents. When he's not getting in motorcycle accidents <laughs> or throwing at his shoulder. Um, yeah, in today's game, we get caught up in guys. Oh, if you don't come up when you're 21, yeah, you're 19, a bust. 20, 21, yeah, you're a bust. You're a bust. You're not going to be this great player. And, and that's not true. There's still plenty of players who are coming up later in their prospect careers and become a great player. I mean, you look at that Phillies core back in mm-hmm. the 2000s. Chase Ulley didn't come up till he was 23, 24. He was a now he was a college kid. Yeah, but he didn't come out to his 24. Ryan Howard wasn't on the major league roster till he was twenty six. Cole was one of the few who was there pretty young, but he was a pitcher, so he still was only twenty three, I think. And but he struggled I mean, he uh, back- year two, right? Uh, like oh, I'm thinking two, like oh nine, like oh nine, he still struggled. Oh nine, that was year four. Yeah, but you know what I mean? Early on, before. early on, he still struggled. Yeah, he still had. Uh, he, so he it had wasn't a very like he just killed it all. Path. Yeah, he had a very similar career path to Aaron Null, who we'll get to in a second. Um, but yeah, I, is Moniac a bust in the sense of that he probably isn't going to be a Hall of Fame talent? Sure. But I still think he could be a very good uh, either bench bat or an average to slightly above average everyday uh, outfielder at the major league level. And we'll see how he continues to develop. The spring is a good start. Let's see if he can carry it over into the regular season. And uh, we'll go from there. Um, like I said, Herrera is injured. Um, so we'll see how long he takes to get back. Off the, off the top of my head, other notables, Ranger Suarez is going to pitch on Saturday. He should be ready to to go for his first start. Zach Wheeler should be ready to go for his first start. He's pitching Sunday. Um, thing about those two is I know that they're going to probably only go maybe three innings their first start of the regular season, uh, maybe four, just because they haven't had a ton of time spring training-wise to pitch yet. Um, and, uh, yeah, let's go to Aaron Nola. Uh, last year, one of Aaron Nola's biggest issues was he was giving up a lot of home runs. Yeah. Mostly solo, thankfully, but a lot of home runs. That has continued into this spring. Uh, I think he's pitched five or six innings. I, I, let, me, let me look up his spring stats. But either way, he's given up a ton of home runs this uh, spring. Yeah. So I, I posed a question, Austin. Are you worried about Aaron Nola going into the regular season? Um. I wasn't gonna be. I mean, it's it's hard, like you mentioned. You know, the lockout kind of shortened everything, so it's hard because maybe this is just him working out kinks. You know, like like pitchers do. Sometimes they get rocked in spring training and then they're fine. But like you mentioned, here's it's, steps. it's just a regular. Um, it's just like what was happening last year in the regular season. But yeah, here's his stats. Nine, three games, nine innings pitched, 10 hits allowed, eight earned runs, five home runs, 11 to one strikeout to walk ratio, which you'll take. 
but um, those five home runs in nine innings are really concerning. It is, and part of it is, I think, too, like that's why I'm trying to keep it in check is just like how much of it is just him getting back into it because it's a shortened spring training. But like I said, it – this is what you saw last year. You know, this is what he struggled with last year. And, and this is why the Phillies didn't want to give him that long contract. You know, they wanted to wait and see. Yeah, give him another long, long-term extension because, of course, he did sign a four-year one two years ago. So I think he has this year, next year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, for me, it's concerning just because we saw it last year and it's continued really early here in spring training and – it's just a consistency thing. One in and he'll look great, or one, or even one or two at bats, he'll look great. But then he just throws yeah, a pitch play. right down the middle, and you wonder what's going on. Um, it just—it's really small things. And the other thing is—is is he needs to get work through this because he's been in the league now for five, six years. Teams know what Aaron Noah is going to bring to the table. There's no more surprise in teams yeah. with what you have. You have to beat them on your pitch and IQ, your control, and your stuff. And if he doesn't have one of those three, his abilities have fallen off cliffs at times. And that's concerning because this is a team that I think can compete for a playoff spot and should be competing in September, August and September. And when he's had the opportunities to pitch in big games throughout his career, he has come up short. And that cannot happen again in, the, in 2022. The Phillies are going to make the playoffs. Sure. And, I mean, if he gives up 20 home runs and they're all solo home runs, so be it. But chances are he's not giving up all solo home runs uh, this season. So, I mean – uh, you just got to hope he he figures out this issue really quickly and doesn't let it drag into the into you know hidden season when we get to June and July. Yeah, I uh, I couldn't agree more. You know, it's it would be different if it was a different issue. You know, and you're going okay. Well, at least he's passed the one inning. I'm fine. The next inning I get absolutely scorched, you know, but this is, this seems to be at this point, a common thread. Yeah. And I I will say we are going to do a full Phillies preview next week as the, as opening day is on um, Friday next week. I'm going opening day. Um, So I'm very excited about that. I'll be there on Um, Sunday, by the way. You'll be on there, so we just have to get somebody uh, to game two. Uh, (laughs) But uh, we'll do it for a full preview. All I got to say is based off spring training so far, I'm very excited about this Philly season, very excited about this lineup. Harper looks ready to go. He may go for back-to-back MVPs this year. Castellanos looks great already. Schwarber's swing looks solid. He always is hot and cold, we'll see. But I'm excited about him. And all I got to say is this lineup is going to be so tough to beat. I mean, it'll it's, it'll be so fun because it's like any night they could put up 10. But the scary part yeah. is, is any night the other team can put up 10 because of the true. fielding woes that people 
see and also we you know the pitching you know the pitching is the biggest question mark going into this uh season yeah absolutely no yeah exactly this is going to be a really fun team to watch again honestly i'd rather lose games 10-9 <laughs> than win them 3-2 yeah um because the last few years even when the phillies were in good stretches they were never a terribly great team to watch yeah yeah, they unless it was like four. Bryce and like JT hitting like back to back home runs or something, but besides yeah. that, it but, was like cool. But but now you look at it. If you tell me this, is, they have like they did an 08 and put up two twenty run games this season. Yeah. I wouldn't be shocked at all. Yeah, they have they it, they it, have it, the guys it, to do it. They do. They, they, it's going to be so fun. We'll get more into it uh, later this. Uh, or later next week um, as we preview them. Um, that being said, we have a question from our Discord. Be sure to join our Discord. You can find that on our Twitter. Um, but our question comes from uh, one of my other good friends, Austin. Not you, but another Austin. Probably um, pretty handsome. Uh, he, he is the handsomest <laughs> of the handsomest. Um, shout out to Austin. Um, uh, but... Uh, Austin says, I've been wondering what are the Phillies going to be at like the deadline if they're competitive? Where are they going to, where are they going to go uh, in your mind at the deadline? Is it more likely that they strengthen up their rotation uh, or is it more likely that you win uh, more likely that you try and win and improve a position, um, AKA third base, maybe shortstop center field. We'll see. Um, and that's this is a good question for yeah. me. I think it depends where how how competitive are they. Are we talking about this is a first place team? If so, I think they do both. I think they go an upgraded position, and I think they go and they get another pitcher. Now, are now if they're in a place where hey they don't look like they're probably World Series contenders, but if they add another piece, maybe they can go on a run. I think you then look to shore up the rotation or the bullpen at that point. Um, because offense can win you games, but great pitching beats great hitting every day of the week. And that's why I think either way, I think the Phillies would go more so rotation or bullpen, maybe a closer depending on where they are at, at that point. Yeah. I'm, I'm more on the side of pitching as well. Um, I think just because, like you mentioned, we can this lineup should be able to score five runs most nights, um, and if you're able to do that, you can almost get away with mediocre uh, fielding if you have good pitching. You know, if you have great batting and you have okay pitching, well, now you're in a shootout and you might lose that. But if you go and like I mentioned, either Alec Boehm or Didi, you know, you, you flip one of those guys for either a back end rotation or like you mentioned the bullpen and shore that up. Okay. Well now you have the, you have the batting already, but now you've shored up the pitching like you mentioned, and yes. you can, it's a lot easier to get away with average fielding with two dominant aspects of batting and pitching yeah of course it also depends on you know and where they are their health right. at the time um i mean um 
Also, I, I think no matter what, we'll see them probably go after maybe a defensive guy for center field for late in games. Uh, maybe not even the deadline. I could see them doing that before the season starts, early season. Uh, it'll be interesting. But, I mean, obviously pretty early to think about trade deadline. But I think it's also – I mean, that's something the Phillies front office is already thinking about. I mean, they have a general idea of what they're probably going to target at the deadline because obviously there's teams that are going to move guys who have controllability or maybe an upcoming free agent, but they're not going to do it at the beginning of the season. They're going to see what they that guy does until the deadline. And then at the deadline, you go out and move that type of guy, and then that's where the Phillies step in and get somebody. But I think either way, you probably look at pitching first. Yeah. And then, I mean, if Stott is having a rookie of the year type year at shortstop or third base, I don't think you need an upgrade there. And uh, a lot of it also there comes back to Didi. Didi's looked good in spring training so far. Uh, he had a, an amazing play today uh, defensively at, at the plate. He looked solid. Um, so – a lot there, but I think the pitching, you can never have too much pitching. And, um, yeah, so I, I'll say either way, I think pitching is the way. The Phillies would definitely get a pitcher at the deadline, whether it's bullpen or starter. Yeah. Um, but like I said, we'll talk more about the Phillies next week in a full preview of uh, the team going into the regular season. To wrap this up, uh, Sixers, Flyers, let's start with the Flyers. Just two quick notes. Uh, they have signed two of their prospects. Noah Cates, uh, forward Noah Cates, and uh, defenseman Ronnie Attard. Um, Cates, not a big-time offensive guy. He'll have some upside there, but don't expect him to come in, be the goal scorer they desperately need it. Um, but he could be a playmaker, I think, uh, for them down the road. Uh, but not necessarily a first- or second-line guy, probably. Ronnie Attard, uh, I honestly don't know a huge much about him. Looks solid defensively and has offensive upside. At the very least, it gives us two two guys on top of Owen Tippett to watch here as the rest of the season goes on. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't have said it uh, better. The other guy, I know it's been uh, a question about Wade Allison. Why isn't he up? Um, maybe they're terrified that he could get hurt because that's just how the season's gone. You know, he's gotten hurt a couple times already, and maybe they just don't want to risk it. Um, but yeah, it, I, they're officially eliminated from playoff contention, the Philadelphia Flyers. So they don't really have, they don't have anything to play for. I'll be like, part of me wants to see some of the games, like just to see how these kids play, because you might as well see what these kids got. It seems like Morgan Frost looks a little better not crazily, but a little better being with offensive talent on the top two lines. It just, uh, as the Morgan Frost stand, it just doesn't seem like he it's going to work here. Yeah, the, it's, it's going to be a big last few weeks for Morgan Frost, and uh, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens there. Um, it, it, I I just don't know what they're going to do with them. I could see them training him. I could see them holding on to him because um, I still think there's something there. But it, it is what it is. Um, I haven't seen a ton of their games live recently. I do watch condensed highlights, and I do have them all recorded. So I do go back, watch things here and there. If somebody's like, oh, you should go back and watch this or that, I'll go back and watch. Um, but with my 
work schedule right now. Just don't always have the time to watch them or the Sixers. Yeah. Um, and to a degree, maybe it's a cop-out, but I feel like basketball and hockey are a little harder to watch on TV while doing stuff than baseball is. Yeah, baseball, I mean baseball because you don't it's see visual. Yeah, you can it's a lot easier to like it's a lot easier to hear baseball, you know, that's why like, you know, when people talk about um Harry Callis, you know, like they could picture what's happening. The pace is I think a lot easier for commentators to do baseball um yeah. in the sense of just the pace of play. They do have yeah. to, you know, ad-lib a lot more because there's not as much free time or there's more free time in between action. But like you said, you know, my, even my dad struggles. Like if I had hockey on, if on in the car, you know, it's hard because there's so much going on that the guy is trying to talk about to keep track of what actually is happening and where the puck is and all that. Absolutely. But, um, yeah, uh, I think uh, just going back real quick on you know where yeah. Morgan Frost could end up, if they were truly trying to rebuild, I think he stays. But I think because yeah. they're trying to aggressively retool, he could be a piece that could entice a team. You know, like if you put him with something, you could entice a team because he has the offensive upside. Yes. Yes, and I mean you still may be able. To... You still may be able to get a decent player that could help you now for him. Yeah, but it, it's a risk. I it's just it's kind of like not 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 in a true sense, but it's kind of like what the Phillies are with Alec Bohm. I still think Alec Bohm has the potential to be a very good hitter and a good major league third base, not third baseman, but a good major league baseball player. Um, but are the Phillies going to be patient enough to let him get there, or are they going to? be impatient with them because they want to win now and trade him and hope that it doesn't come back to bite them in the ass down the road. Yeah. And that's, I think where the flyers are probably at with Morgan Frost, this, this upcoming off season, it, and it's going to be a tough decision they are going to have to make. Um, have you watched many of the flyers games lately? I just want to get your thoughts on Owen Tippett recently. Um, I watched his first and I think his second game. He, I thought he looked pretty good. I'm not going to lie. Um, yeah, he, definitely. He's like snake bomb. bit. Yeah, it's like almost yeah. he's constantly snake bit. You know, like I think his first game he rang it off the post twice. You know, like he he's just like a half inch short of um, of scoring. But you see the hustle, you see the offensive upside, you see the playmaking, so you see why the you know Flyers traded for him. Um. No, and also, you know, it's a classic flyer redhead. So it makes sense as to why they trade for him in that sense. But um, I thought he's looked good. You know, I don't think he's like superstar. Like, you know, when you think, oh, what you should get back for Drew. But uh, Pierre Lebrun said that, you know, we're probably going to be disappointed with the Hall. And we got a B, B plus uh, prospect back. And, you know, that's all you could hope for. Yeah, and I thought Owen. I I thought Owen has. I mean, he he has been snake bitten so much. He's hit the post like three times <laughs> in his six games. Um, but uh, yeah, I think he shows promise. Um, it, oh, he has shown 
some quality stuff out there. It's just he, he's, he's got a good to shot. Degree, but that was that was his problem in Florida, though. Mm-hmm. He had the opportunity. He, he always had goal scoring opportunities, but could never find the back of the net. So if that can that maybe that's a, just a continuation here. We'll see. Um, but yeah, I mean, at least these young guys give us something exciting to watch here over the last few weeks of the season. Yeah, and you know, next year it'll be completely different with this aggressive yep. retool. Ellis should be back, Couturier back. Like, it. I know why they're gonna re aggressive retool. It's just gonna be a question of does it fall out flat on their face or not. Um, yep. But enough on the Flyers. There is a team that is actually going to make the playoffs in Philadelphia, and that is the But somehow be more disappointing. Yes. Well, in glorious Philadelphia fashion, yes, they will be disappointing while they do it, and that is the 76ers who, tonight being Thursday, the 31st, lose to the Detroit Pistons 102-94. to Um I'm annoyed with Doc, but at the same time, I mean, this whole team just, it's weird. I mean, their bench, their bench had a total of seven, eight points. You know, it's, you can't win a game with eight bench points. And I know, I think the night before the game before the bench struggled that night as well. Yeah. And I know people said when they trade for Harden, hey, it's going to take this team a couple weeks once they get hardened to find their groove with each other and find that chemistry. And sure, but I mean, this, this isn't all come back on hard. This team has been playing lackluster list basketball. I don't want to see, say carefree, but it, their defense has been atrocious recently. Um, their bench has sucked. Uh, Doc makes stupid lineup decisions throughout the game. Um, Joel remains the GOAT. And James has been disappointed. I mean, James can't go 5 for 14 or whatever he did today against four, Detroit. Yeah, four 15. Yeah. Four four, you, can't, you cannot. And it's not like this has been one game. He has been incredibly inefficient uh, in a few games already. And it's just – you that can't – Cannot happen. You're not going to win games that way, right? Forward. And I mean, they were in first place not too long ago. Now they're dropping down the standings. The Celtics are in first place, and I just—if they're not careful, they're going to somehow get knocked down in the first round. Well, and here's what what scares me is you know we talked about you know when when Seth got traded and Drummond got traded, the biggest thing was going to be. Uh, you know, out of that, you're like, fine, you gave up the pick and you gave up Ben. But, I mean, DeAndre Jordan hasn't shown you anything. You know, they're like, oh, they're is washed. Like, there's a reason Brooklyn let him go. There's a reason the Lakers let him go because the dude can't play. And he played 10 minutes tonight. And, I mean, almost every night, like, He's just either unnoticeable or when you do notice him, it's he's, you know, not like it's not like he's grabbing 10 rebounds like Drummond was. So, yeah, I, absolutely. What happened, you know, the problem's going to be is what happens when Joel comes off the court because he can't play 
an entire game. It's just well, not. And, and we see what happens when he comes off the court. The the team nose dives into the yeah. ground. Right. It takes a complete nosedive. And, I mean, Joel is putting up monster numbers this year. And I know ESPN just did a straw poll amongst 100 voter uh, media members, and Jokic is in, ra- in line to win his second straight MVP. But, I mean, unfortunately, at this point, if the Sixers continue to collapse here down the stretch, it's not going to matter. He's not going to win MVP. No, he wasn't. I mean, like you said, it, it, uh, Jokic is in line to win it um, anyway. But yeah, I mean, even though, he, you know, he had what, 37 points, 15 rebounds, he had seven turnovers. Yeah. I have one of the best single seasons we've had, but the the turnovers, like you were about to say, cannot happen. That can't happen either. Uh, and, and that's on Joel. He has to be better. Yeah. Yeah, he does. And I mean, it's it's definitely frustrating. Um you, you know, you mentioned people thought it was going to take a few weeks for them to figure this out. It seems like it's like the reverse. You know, it seemed like in the beginning they figured it out immediately. And as time has gone on, it's gone the complete other way, and it and it has nothing to do with like a hardened attitude thing. You know, like you've no. seen videos and stuff of like him and Maxi like going back and forth, but they're trying to figure it out. You know, like there was clear communication yeah. between the players. It has nothing to do with like Harden's a bad teammate. It's it's stuff like Harden shot selection, like he hesitates on something, or you know, just the team as a whole just hasn't been playing well. And yep. I mean, listen, like you said, they got to figure this out, or else I mean, Doc's Doc's gonna be out the door. It, it- if they don't make the Eastern Conference Finals, he's by far fired. And if they don't, even if they make it and they don't get to to the NBA Finals, he still may get fired. He has done an absolutely terrible job throughout his entire tenure here, and he's been the NBA is after baseball, arguably the sport where the head coach means the least. Maybe hockey. Maybe hockey. But basketball, you could be a shitty head coach and still win. Yeah. If if you have a good team around you. Prime example, just put LeBron, team LeBron, and LeBron's team goes to the championship. Exactly. Exactly. The point is there's very few coaches in basketball who actually can take their team to a different level as a coach. Steve Kerr probably did it. You know, like, sure. like, yes, he has Steph Curry, but, I mean, Steph Curry wasn't Steph Curry until a couple years in, you know. That team, that team, Steve Kirk, I think, you know, coached that team to be what it sure. is. Sure, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I would say him. Um, I would say Spolstra down in Miami. That's yeah. That's not an elite talent team. Um, what about Quinn Snyder in at, at Utah? That's a good example of one. Yeah, they've um, been they've been pretty good. Um, the Suns, uh, what's his face from the Sixers? 
Oh yeah. Uh, why, why are we both blanking on this now? Uh, Matthew <laughs> Williams. Yeah, he's done a great job over in in Phoenix. I know they lost in the finals, but whatever. Yeah, he's he, he's he's done a great job there. Now it helps he has one the maybe the best two guards in the game. Well, the best guard in the game possibly <laughs> right now. And then uh, Chris Paul is pretty damn good himself. Um, but yeah, he's a great example. Um, um, I'm trying to think if there's any other out there that really are doing great jobs right now. Uh, I mean, one guy who's had a really good run uh, since taking over over there, uh, um, Nate McMillan with the Hawks. Yeah. He's done. Uh, Same with uh, Billy Donovan with the Bulls. Yeah, he's yep. he started to have a do a really good job there. So, yeah, there's actually there's a few. You know, there is a few, probably ten or so. But yeah, um, yeah, the tenure. I mean, the tenure's just been disappointing. I'd say it, you know, the rotations, just yeah, the expectations, and- everything. I don't know who said it on Twitter, but they put it. They they were so right, and I apologize to whoever it was. But th- somebody said on Twitter that Doc Rivers being named one of the top fifteen coaches of all time hurts the Sixers so badly because, like, people you're gonna when you fire him, you're gonna be like, why are you firing Doc Rivers, who's just re- ranked as one of the best fifteen coaches of all time? Yeah. Um, but the truth is, is he's been terrible. Uh, his rotation suck. His uh, play con out, coming out of timeout sucks. Um, he's been a terrible, terrible hire for the Sixers. Everything we feared about Doc Rivers when they hired him has come true. Yeah. Um, and he's, I think, coaching for his job over the rest of the regular season and the playoffs. And we'll see what happens. Any other thoughts before we wrap up? Um. No, not really. I mean, I know we're going to do some uh, draft coverage leading up to the draft. I'm excited uh, for that. But um, besides that, just go follow us on Twitter at in the 700. Um, and like you mentioned, Dylan, on there is our uh, Discord link. I'll be sure to f- share it also on Facebook. Follow us on all of our social media. Um, just interact with us. We love talking everything and uh yeah, that's that's it. All right. Well, with that, we'll wrap it up here. Thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of the Cheese Sticks in Center Level podcast. Uh, he pretty much said everything I usually like to say at the end. So that's that. Uh, and we'll talk to you guys next week for a Phillies preview. Also, uh, maybe next week, uh, maybe the week after we're at, uh, we're going to start uh, doing – uh, some mock drafts every week. So we're going to try to for four mock drafts, uh, but at least three mock drafts before the draft at the end of the month. Cause by the time this comes out, it's April. So, uh, happy, happy April Fool's day. And, uh, yeah. April Rings Sears, so that's, that's cool. 